let's go to John chapter 9, verse 24. Anyone really believe that God is who he says he is and God can do what he said he can do? On this rainy Sunday morning, he's still doing it, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked, what did he do to you? Did he give you some of that Jesus juice? How did he, how, how did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Anyone, anyone want to get thrown out today? <laughs> God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we want to We want to experience you today. We want to discover all that you have for us. We don't want to live beneath our privilege. We don't want to live beneath the calling that you have for us. We don't want to live a less than life when you've called us to more. So right now our ears are open, our hearts are receptive, our minds are alert. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When, when I read the Bible, I picture what's taking place. Because when I was a kid, my mom would read Herbert's stories of the Bible. And my mom would not read the Bible in a monotone voice. She would be accentuating certain parts. And not only would she accentuate certain parts with her voice, my mom would get up and start acting what was taking place. So when I read the Bible, I am imagining it taking place. So here in John chapter 9, you have Jesus and his crew on a journey. So I'm like picturing them just like coming down the street in their sandals. Maybe Peter has like a gangster walk and Peter's talking. Peter always has something to say, trying to tell everyone what to do and where to go. John is just sticking close to Jesus. He's just like, I love you. I'd love to. Can we all just talk about how much we love each other? Judas is in the back. Like, yo, Jesus, you know how you turned water into wine? Do you think... Do you think you can turn sand into silver? 
<laughs> Judas is like, yo, you, you think you can turn, you know, any of this straw into gold? Uh, this is how I picture it, that, that they're on this journey and they're seeing the greater things that Jesus had promised Nathaniel. Oh, he says, you'll see greater things. And so on this journey, they, they saw Jesus take water and turn it into wine at a wedding. They saw Jesus tell an official, oh, your son is sick. I'm just, I'm not even going to go. I'm sending my word. And that boy was healed. They saw Jesus come to an individual who'd been lame on the ground for 38 years, who thought he was missing his opportunity time after time again, because his healing was to get in the water, his healing. But the healing when Jesus showed up was right in front of him. And they saw him get up the greater things. Recently, there was a, a gal in the church who was having serious issues with her eyes, and we were praying for her, and she went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, I, I don't know how to explain this, but, but your eyes must have healed themselves. <laughs> oh, it just happened, right? And here in this story, we find an individual who's not having problems with his eyes, he's blind. We find an individual who's not just blind, he was actually born blind. He never got to see what his family looked like. He, he had never seen a sunrise or a sunset. He'd never seen the beauty of, of creation. It's hard to imagine something that you've never seen. Like tell, trying to help him understand. Can you imagine a sunrise? He'd never seen it. You come in here and it's maybe hard for you to, to imagine a healthy marriage because you didn't see a healthy marriage growing up. It's hard for you to imagine being financially prosperous and generous because all you saw growing up was living in debt, barely getting by. It's hard for you to imagine something you've never seen. I love traveling. I love getting to experience different cultures. I don't just like going to all the tourist attractions. I like to immerse myself into, into what it's like for the people there because it helps you understand different perspectives. Growing up, I would, I would take Ian on, on a father-son trip each year, and we would go maybe to Mammoth. We went to Mammoth a few times, went out to the desert. And yet Ian had, had never been out of the country, and so he graduated in college in two and a half years. He's like, I want as little debt as possible, and I was proud of him. And so I told him, hey, to celebrate, I'll take you wherever you want to go. We'll go on another father-son trip. Where do you want to go? What do you think he said? Miami? Miami? <laughs> going to, is this like a Will Smith song? Is he ever like going to Miami? <laughs> Please don't come and slap me, by the way. So someone at the nine said, Disneyland, you know. Like, what, any other ideas? No ideas? Like, also, the, these ideas would have been cheaper. Like Miami, Disneyland, Mexico. He said, Dubai. You see your response? Oh, actually, I... And the things we don't ask our heavenly father for. 
I said, okay, that's going to take some time. So a year ago, we started planning, and in about a week, I am taking him to Dubai. He's never, he's never been exposed or seen what it's like in other countries. It's a long flight. On the way there, we're going to stop for a couple days in Madrid, break up that 18-hour flight. Then we're going to head to Oman, to the, into the mountains of Oman. Then we're going to go to Abu Dhabi. Then we're going to go to Dubai. And then we're going to hop on a plane and take the 18-and-a-half-hour trip back home. <laughs> it's hard to explain what it's like in different cultures if you've never seen it. I've been to Madrid and telling him and trying to explain it. But, but when, you, when you're there and, and you see it, and, and this man who was, who was born blind had never seen so many things. And here comes Jesus, and here comes his hand-picked disciples who were going to build and establish the church. And they come across this individual, and they say, who sinned? Did this man sin, or was it his parents? There's got to be a reason. That's what they thought at that time, and that's what we think at this time. Oh, we can judge people. They got fired. Well, there, there must be a reason. They must have been a bad employee. Maybe just that, that whole organization was getting shut down because of the economy. Oh, they, they're going through a divorce? They must not have been faithful. They, there has to be a reason. We have to find a, a justification for, for why this is taking place. This is Jesus and his disciples who, rather than looking at an individual in need of compassion, they're looking at a subject to theologically discuss. Oh, we can do that in church. We can come here and, and just want to, let's talk about what the Bible says and let's talk, and we should talk about what the Bible says. But there's times we don't know the reason, but we can always respond. And as a church, we're here to help the hurting. As a church, we're here to help the broken. As a church, we're here to shine light into a dark world. That's why we're always looking for opportunities to help serve the community. Who sinned? Jesus is here. And Jesus is coming into this individual's life who's doing all he knows to do. What is he doing? He's begging. That's all he could do at that time. You might be here and you're doing all you can do as a single parent. You might be here and you're doing all you can do with getting that second job just to help try to pay the bills and, and provide for your family. And when you're doing all you can do, it's amazing because oftentimes Jesus will then show up and do what only he can do. And here comes Jesus, but the man doesn't see Jesus coming. Well, you don't see Jesus coming into your life. You don't see Jesus right now coming into that marriage. You don't see Jesus coming into your finances. You, here comes Jesus, but he can't see it. And Jesus shows up, and what does Jesus do? He spits. I couldn't illustrate this during the COVID era. <laughs> he spits. He, he, starts, he starts making the dirts turn into mud. This is Jesus. He puts, and he puts mud on the individual's eyes. If I was one of Jesus' disciples, I'd be like, 
The issue is not that he can see and he wants to be blind. The issue is that he's blind and he cannot see. Why would you cover up his eyes? Seems to be, seems to be doing the wrong thing. Does Jesus ever seem to be doing the wrong thing in your life? <laughs> That's not what I need. This is like the, like the opposite. Jesus, I am praying for patience and my spouse is being extra crazy today. Jesus is like the opposite. It's like this is the opposite <laughs> to, to put this mud on his eyes. Have you ever got something in your eye? My wife is the best. She's encouraging. She's happy, except when she thinks she gets an eyelash in her eye. She freaks out. Oh, oh no. Oh, she'll like hold it open. Do you see it? Do you see it? I'll be like, I, I, no, there's nothing. That's all. Oh, it hurts so bad. Our eyes are so sensitive. You ever been out in the wind and you get something and you're like, something in your eye, it begins to irritate. It begins to irritate your eye. Why would he put mud and would seem to cause irritation? What's irritating you today? Who's causing that irritation? What if it's not the person next to you? <laughs> There's something that I like to call anointed irritation. <laughs> that you think it's something else, but it's the Holy Spirit trying to give you vision for the future anointed by everything going on in culture today. What if God is trying to open your eyes to do something about it? Anointed about something in a relationship when God's trying to do something on the inside of you. And then Jesus says, now go wash. Oftentimes in miracles, there's God's part, but then there's our part. And sometimes we sit in the irritation and don't do anything and we stay irritated when we need to obey and go wash, and he washes, and then he can see, whoa! There is such a difference before Jesus and after Jesus. Before Jesus, he was blind. After Jesus, he can see. We need to have a before and after picture in our life. I'm not talking because you lost some weight and you're like, look at me before, but look at me after. I'm not talking about you went to the gym and you before and after. I'm talking about remembering what life was like before Jesus versus after Jesus. What he has done in your, in your life. Jesus, he spit, he made mud, and he put it on his eyes. Yet other times, Jesus sent his word. Yet other times, Jesus had people just go bathe, just, just to rinse off. You notice that the methods with Jesus change, but oftentimes we as people want to hold on to methods. Well, well, well I, liked, I liked how church was in 1980. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Remember, 19, like, remember when I was a kid? You know, and you're like, whoa, like, you get like, feel something, and someone's like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I, like, no, that's the flag lady who I just got whooped upside the head by her flag running up and down. Then you get the people with those tambourines and the streamers, you know, those, and it's like, I don't know what beat you're on, but like, you ain't like, the, the methods will change, but the message should always remain the same. The message is Jesus 
had, was Jesus, will always be Jesus. <laughs> and you would think everyone would be happy for this individual because he was blind and now he could see. You would think everyone would be happy that you got the promotion. You would think everyone would be happy that there was a breakthrough in your life. Yet his neighbors were like, how'd that happen? Is this really you? It's like, yeah, it's me. It's not just someone identifying as me. Like, this is me. This is, this. And so they take him to the Pharisees. There's this investigation that's going on. Investigating. Lindsay loves these, like, true crime stories. These, like, on Dateline. She, she'll watch the show. Any of you, you're, you like that kind of stuff? Like, I hate it. <laughs> she watches this stuff, and she, like, she thinks, she wants me to call her Detective Lindsay. <laughs> Someone should just get her a badge, you know, or like, for, to, she'll, she'll watch this show. Here's why I don't like them. You watch this thing for an hour, then at the end, you know exactly what you knew before the show started. Nothing. Unsolved mysteries. Lindsay will be like, I know. I know who did it. Oh, they don't know, but you know? Oh, I know. Like, you don't realize they put this thing together not to inform you, but to entertain you. And now you have the solution. And they're doing this investigation. Investigation. T today, they're doing studies. When there's studies that are done and they want to produce evidence, I would suggest you first want to know who paid for the study to be done. <laughs> then, who benefits from the results of that study? Like, who's getting rich off it? You ever heard, follow the money? There's bias. You may not realize that we all have bias. Hmm. There they... The Pharisees are upset. The Pharisees are upset because Jesus healed this man and it was the Sabbath. Not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. I've been in Israel on the Sabbath. You get into the wrong elevator, every button is already pushed because it was considered it work to push a button. No, it's work not like getting cussing everyone out in the elevator as you're stopping at every floor. They, they're, they're upset. The, the Pharisees were one issue people. Do we have one issue people? Here today, there are a lot of people who are one-issue voters. That they are going to vote this year all because of one issue. I talk with some people, and it's the border. I talk with other people, and it's the economy. I talk with other people, and it's the sexualization of kids. One-issue people. And you're like, well, how should we vote? How should we? Here's what I would say. <laughs> the other day, I was in the gym. And this individual walks up to me. He, he, was, he was pretty ripped. And I have my headset in and I'm working out. And he's just staring at me like really close, awkward. And so I know he has a question for me and it's not gonna be about working out. He's not gonna ask me like, what do you do for leg day? You know, I got chicken legs. Like he's not, he's ripped. So in between sets, I pull up my, and he's like, hey, uh, what's your thoughts on politics? How are you? Nice to meet you. That's an easy discussion in between sets. What's your thoughts on Paul? Like, what do you want to know? He's like, oh, just tell me who I should vote for. I know you're a pastor. <laughs> just tell me who I should vote for. I said, well, I said, that's a much deeper question. 
because we just live in this world where it's one issue. We just live in this thing where it's just based on a personality. What if we learn the word of God and we have a biblical worldview and we, be, we vote based upon our biblical worldview? We vote based upon our biblical values. Hmm, but they're one issue. And they're like, hey, you, we want to know how this happened. Who did this? They don't like what this individual is saying, so they get a second opinion. They ask for his parents. His parents come. They ask his parents two questions. The first question that they ask his parents is, is this really your son? Or is this just someone pretending? The second question is, how, how is it that he can see now? Now, they were in a catch-22. Have you ever found yourself in a catch-22? Because if they answered both questions honestly, they would probably be kicked out of the synagogue. Anyone here, you, have, you ever been kicked out of church? Anyone here want to be kicked out of church? Like, we could illustrate this right now. <laughs> and it's not just kicked, like, the synagogue was where all their friends would be at. It was the center of, of community. So they were, they were in this catch-22, and they were afraid of people. Isn't it amazing how many of our decisions today are based because we're afraid of people? Afraid? Afraid we might get canceled? Afraid we might get fired? Certain parts of the world afraid you might get put in jail? So other parts of the country afraid you might be killed based upon what, on what you say? So, so his parents answer the first question honestly. Yes, he's our son. But they answer the second question evasively. Oh, how is it? Ask him. He's an adult. Notice that they pass the buck. I wonder if we're passing the buck to a new generation because we're not willing to stand up and speak the truth. I wonder, I wonder if we're passing the buck versus saying, no, the buck stops here. If we get canceled, we're going to speak the truth. No, if we get fired, we're going to speak the truth. No, the buck stops here. As a church, we need to stand up and say, no, the buck stops here. No more sexualizing our children. No, the buck stops here. That these are important issues. These are important issues, but so they, they pass the buck. You, you see, the consequences of rejecting the truth are far greater than the consequences of you being rejected. So they get, they get this individual back a second time, asking him questions. Hey, so uh, we want the truth. We want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Isn't it amazing when people say they want the truth? The truth is really not what they want. They want the narrative that they want to hear. We want the truth. We, we want the truth. The way they're doing this is they're, they're threatening him. Like in court, if a witness is being threatened, or you see on crime shows, how witnesses will be threatened outside of court, threatening him. We, we, want, we want the truth. What is truth? Is there, is there truth? We live in a world today where it's like, it's my truth, my truth. So do, does that mean that is truth? Is there, is there absolute truth? What if your truth doesn't line up with the truth of Scripture? Jesus taught his disciples 
in the chapter before, John chapter 8, he was talking about his teaching. He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing. When you buy into the lies of the world, you'll find yourself a captive. But when you hold on to the truth of Jesus, you will find yourself free, free indeed. So here he is. He's like, oh yeah, you want the truth. You want the truth. They're there and they're, they're basically threatening him. And they say, we know. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. We know. We, it, they've already made their mind up. It appears like they're trying to find evidence, but what they're trying to do is push the narrative. We know. Little kids aren't the only ones who are know-it-alls. People today are know-it-alls. We know. You turn on the news. We know. We know. Know-it-alls are unable to learn anything new at all. And truth is never threatened. And truth, if you hold on to truth, you are open to other ideas and you are open to other explanations because you know that, that truth will last through it all. We know. We know. We, we know that he is. We know he's a sinner. We know he's a sinner. The, this individual is like, I, I don't know. Is this, is it, I don't know whether or not he's a sinner. You got to think, this man was blind. He didn't even see Jesus. He just heard his voice. How am I going to address his character? I don't know. There's a lot of things that we don't know if we're to be brutally honest. And so we don't want to share with people or we don't want to speak up because we don't really know. Sometimes we don't want to share all about Jesus because we're like, I don't really know enough about theology. I don't know. I don't know. I, I start reading the book of Romans and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this book is deep. <laughs> Someone asks you about creation and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. In, in times... I don't know. He, he says, I, I don't know, but the one thing I do know, ooh, the one thing I do know is I was blind and now I see. Don't let everything you don't know stop you from sharing the one thing that you do know. You may not know a lot of things, but you could say, but the one thing I do know is my marriage was headed for a divorce, and had it not been for God, we would have headed there, but the one thing I do know is God saved our marriage. You could be like, the one thing I do know is I was drowning in depression, and I was severely, I was considering ending it all, and I found hope in Jesus, and now I wake up, and life is not perfect, but I have a passion, and I have a purpose. The one thing I do, the one thing I do know, I don't know how it happened, but we were praying for my family member when the doctor said that there was no hope, and they said, we can't explain it, but the disease is gone. The one thing I, don't let everything you don't know stop you from sharing the one thing you do know. What, what is that? The one thing I do, the one thing I do know is I was, is I was blind, but now, but now I see. 
<laughs> oh, they don't like that answer. And they keep pushing them. And they keep pushing them. You know that culture won't give up? Authorities at times won't give up and they keep pushing them. They keep going at them. They just want to get the answer. And sometimes we get worn down and so we give in. You ever get worn down that, that you give in? Someone, maybe you're just worn out after all these years. You're just like, I'm fine. Not him. They keep pressing. They keep pressing. And he was born blind. Never been able to see. And now he's spending some of his first moments of being able to see. And do you know what he's looking at? Angry Pharisees. Like, yo, I've never seen a sunrise or a sunset, and I got to look at you? <laughs> Tell us the truth. We know. We know. We know. Like, I want to look at your ugly face. No, I, I want to go see God's creation. And so he got an attitude. It's time for some followers of Jesus to get their attitude back. No, I'm, not, I'm still saying we need, to be, we need to be compassionate and we need to be full of grace and we need to be caring, but we need to get our confidence back. Someone like, you need to, like, you need to get, that, get your step back, get your confidence back. And he's like, yo, you all want to be followers of Jesus? He got, he got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life answering to you. I know who I answer to. Someone like, listen, he, he moved on. He got kicked out. He got kicked out, thrown out. He got thrown out of the synagogue. Which meant he, he was not going to be as well connected with his family, with his friends. He pretty much lost everything. Are you willing to lose everything? Just to say the one thing that I do know. The, the one thing that I do know is I was blind, but now I see. And yet when everyone else had rejected him, Jesus came back. Ooh, Jesus came. He, did, he couldn't recognize Jesus because he'd never seen Jesus. Jesus came back, and this individual now was not only able to see, but he got saved. He believed, and he found hope in Jesus. You may not see it right now, but Jesus is coming into your life. You may not know it, but here comes Jesus. You may not even be able to imagine it. The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly above all you can ask, think, or even imagine. And some of you are not even in a place that you can even imagine being happy in that marriage. Even imagine being whole on the inside. Imagine being fulfilled in your career. And here comes Jesus.